This is Alpha Geek Radio. The following presentation is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike Non-Commercial License. For more information on Creative Commons licensing, please visit www.creativecommons.org. Panic, ladies and gentlemen. The casuals are taking control of the radio. This is Casually Hardcore live on AlphaGeekRadio.com. For Sunday, the 12th of April, 2015, this is Casually Hardcore, and I am Gnomewise. I am Dexa. Let's get to it because there's just the two of Just the two of us. No? Um, yes, that's true. You're not going to join me in song? I'm not a very good singer. (sighs) I know. I know you aren't either, but, uh, you know. (laughs) Thank you so very much. I'm feeling the love. (laughs) Joining us, as usual, our producer in IRC, the one and only Barry Vaughn. Awesome. Yay, Barry. He will likely be chiming in later in the show because he usually has something to say mm-hmm. about what we have done wrong and why we are evil and bad, 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 and why doesn't he have his own show. But anyway. He can get his own show. I'm just saying. Just saying. All right. Let's see what we got going on in the world. So Apparently out in the television world, I'm like ahead of you. Yes, you are. Can you believe that? That never happens. Is this opposite week? Is it this must be. bizarro earth? I don't <laughs> understand how this could have happened. Um, oh. So there's no new new episode, but there is the newest is two weeks old, so we are now allowed to talk about them. Um, Correct. The CW is doing their weird, oh yeah, there's a new episode this week and these two shows just because. Uh, but two weeks ago, we got Arrow, Public Enemy. And the Flash Tricksters. And Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is back in full swing. Um, And the last episode of that we can talk about outside the Gilligan waiting period is One Door Closes. So, give you an update. Public Enemy is the continuing story of Rachel Ghoul's attempts to turn the city against Oliver. So that Oliver can do what he wants. So Oliver will do will, will take his place as the new demon's head. Um, and damn if he's not good at his job, because he's well, he's the demon's head. Um, he well, you'd think people would figure out that there's not that there's like twelve arrows out there because he has everyone dressed as the arrow. Here's and, the problem with and whoever makes those costumes is making a freaking killing think, in yeah, that I was city. Say, wow, cosplay is just really profitable in this city. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a problem with working from the shadows. It's kind of hard to get a head count when nearly everyone is dead. <coughs> Pardon me. Yeah, but if you're killing people within three seconds of each other in different places, who's going to report that the dead guys? Well, forensics. <laughs> your Hello. Forensics. That's your forensics in, in Starling City has a time machine. Um, 
No, but they can tell when people died, approximate, right? With within seconds. Well, but it's if they died within, at the same, the they one... can tell they died at the same hour. <laughs> well, yeah, of course, but that would... anyway. Just saying. <laughs> you might be overanalyzing. <laughs> I'm just possibly. <laughs> um, so. It's basically the good guys are losing, good guys are losing, good guys are losing episode. Um, they've out and out killed the mayor and framed uh, the arrow for it. And the word is out that Oliver Queen is the arrow again. Um, mm-hmm. And Ollie does the noble thing and turns himself in because he's the good man who will do what is necessary. And the rest of the team is like, screw you and your unilateral decisions. We're in this together and you're being a dick. And he's like, guys, I got this. Go away. I don't have a lot of choices here. I can either spend the rest of my life in prison and the rest of you guys go free or become the demon's head. Um, This is not a hard choice for me. Um, However, the dun-dun-dun moment at the very end of the episode is that... Roy, still um, crippled by guilt over the policeman that he killed while under the influence, mm-hmm. uh, stops the police van that's transporting Oliver, dressed as the Arrow, and turns himself in as the Arrow and says, you have the wrong man. I'm the Arrow. I am Spartacus. No, I am Spartacus. No, I am Spartacus. <laughs> I'm telling you, those suits are a dime a dozen. Just saying. <laughs> but he was wearing Oliver's real suit because he had access to it as Arsenal. And how does it fit? They're like completely different sizes. Shush now. Just saying. You might be overanalyzing. <laughs> I, think, I think we have the episode title already. You might be overanalyzing. Yeah, no kidding. So I just can't believe people are that dumb. Yeah. Even in TV shows. This was a lot of wailing and gnashing of teeth and uh, Laurel's father feeling very betrayed and angrily lashing out and nobody ever tells me anything. Man, man, man being manipulated. And yes, he is totally being manipulated and he's being uh, Rachel Gu's sock puppet at this, po- at this moment in time. Um, so we've moved that ahead to uh, the next big thing that will get Oliver free and Roy will have his chance to pay the price he feels he needs to pay for the death that he caused. Uh, we'll see where that ends up. Everyone is feeling guilty all over the place. You think? Uh, this is the, the darkest before the dawn uh, part of our storyline. Uh, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see where they take it next week. Over on Flash, we had um, a moist acid trip of an episode. <laughs> now, I haven't seen that, but that is an interesting way to describe it. Well, it's... The a voice? It's the trickster. Okay. Now, back in the 90s, when we had the first attempt at bringing The Flash to television, Mark Hamill portrayed the trickster. Now, this was in an era where they were trying real hard to accurately replicate costumes from comic books. Now, if you've ever seen the trickster in DC comic books, he's like a genuine tights-wearing low rent version of the Joker <laughs> with like Harlequin stylings and wacky colors. And they went for that whole hog in the nineties. So if you check, if you like take Harlequin and the Joker and they make a baby and smash them together and then feed it LSD from the day it's born. 
<laughs> you get Mark Hamill's role as the trickster from the 90s. Mm-hmm. They start out, without actually saying that that show is continuity, they start out with a new person going around doing trickster-like um, attacks. So cute little presents um, parachuted into a playground that then explode. Um, and it's portrayed as, oh, you're a copycat killer from that trickster guy we put away decades ago. And they have a whole Silence of the Lambs routine where they go into prison and they got the plexiglass wall and everything and they've got Mark Hamill smelling licorice in Barry's pocket. I mean, it is so ripped off from Silence of the Lambs, it's not funny. <laughs> and unfortunately, it's not funny. <laughs> this episode oh. is not great. Um, but they do have, so they have Mark Hamill doing his Hannibal Lecter slash trickster and getting all riled up about this pretender and this phony who, is, who has found one of his you know, lairs and is stealing his gags and over-the-top scenery-chewing acting. And they have you know, some you know, crime scene photos of his old costume and, and kind of you know, not-too-close-up monitor pictures of scenes from the old flash television show with, with him with crazy hair in the costume for just a few seconds on the screen just as fan service but they don't want to show that too much because it was really bad it was really bad his outfit was ridiculous oh god um, and they had wasn't it like short too like, didn't oh, like yeah. to show his it, belly it was weird it, was, it looked like he was I don't know going clubbing gay clubbing maybe all kinds of strange it was weird so chasing around the city and oh what a twist um this guy is not a pretender. He's actually staging all kinds of distractions so he can break the trickster out of prison. And they literally have a scene where Mark Hamill talking to another actor has the I am your father talk with this other guy who... With the other trickster? Yes. Because it was actually <laughs> his son that he had found online and had trained to do all these things. So not only are they doing Silence of the Lambs and 90s Flash, they're also doing... Star Empire strikes, strikes Back. Oh, my goodness. They, they just couldn't help themselves. They had to give Mark Hamill his I am your father moment. And it is just, really? <laughs> <laughs> I know what you were going for, guys. But you're a little high into the left, I think, what you were uh, shooting for. So it's... Well, now I have to go back and see it. Oh, it's wacky. It's worth seeing. It, it doesn't really advance the story, the, the larger story arc all that much. Um other than the first demonstration of Barry's phasing ability is shown in this. So they have a, oh, classic, right. a classic trickster attack, um, which is, they didn't go to the extreme version. The extreme version that they've used for is they would actually bolt a bomb through the bones of Barry's wrist and set it to detonate if he drops below 600 miles per hour. So the whole... Speed thing. Speed thing. Got it. Okay, um, so another movie. This one, they just kind of put a bracelet on him. Uh, so it wasn't the extreme version that they've used in other movies and such. But it's basically, it's armed. You better start moving. And Dr. Evil Pants has to talk him through vibrating his molecules so he can phase through solid matter, leaving the bomb behind a solid object so it blows up and doesn't kill him. Mm. And he describes... You know, very emotionally, you know, how he should feel. And, and, and Barry comes away from the experience saying, yeah, he knew 
exactly how the speed force feels. Hmm. How could he possibly know that? Hmm. And basically comes back to Joe and says, I think you're absolutely right. I think something is up oh. with, with Dr. Evil Pants. And so he's now a, con- a full convert to the Dr. Evil Pants is evil. Um, the evidence is, has compounded to the point where I think he's the reverse Flash. The other big nugget that they drop us in this episode is told in flashbacks where we see young Dr. Evil Pants with his wife mm-hmm. on the beach and they're talking about their future together. And they're mapping, he's got, he's draws a drawing of the, you know, particle accelerator and it's the beautiful, young, optimistic couple. And then they're driving home from the beach at night and someone has, uh, they also have a flashback where you see another view of the flash reverse flash battle in Barry's house when he was a kid. Uh huh. And this time we follow reverse flash as he runs away and then runs out of speed force. And... Uh He's talking to Gideon, the computer hologram in his palm, saying, what's, what's wrong? He says, You've, your, your last time jump completely exhausted all of your speed force. And basically says, you are, you know, I'm trapped here. Um, and he does the whole no thing in the middle of the street and then pulls his mask off, revealing somebody we have never seen before. It's what? not Dr. Evil Pants. In the so Dr. Suit. Evil Pants is not Dr. Evil Pants? Or he is Dr. Evil Pants, but not the... It's all we know at that point in the episode is we're seeing another another angle on the scene. We're seeing right after his mother's death, and we see okay, reverse flash from the future, being told your speed force is gone. You're stuck here. No, this can't be. And mask comes off, and it's some blonde guy. Wow. Dun dun dun. Near okay. the end of the episode, we get the flashback to blonde guy puts out a spike strip and causes their car, the, the, the happy couple's car, to roll over, killing the wife. And he walks up, and Dr. Evil Pants is climbing out of the car, beaten, you know, badly beaten, and says, who are you? Help. Call the police. Help us. Uh-huh. He says, he's like, who are you? Says, not that it matters or won't matter for hundreds of years, but my name is Aobod Thawne, and attaches a device to Dr. Evil Pants' chest and stabs it into his own chest, and sucks Dr. Evil Pants dry and assumes his physical ah. body. So Dr. Evil Pants was never evil. Dr. Evil Pants was Dr. Optimistic Pants. And <laughs> Reverse Flash, and this is, I was wondering if they were ever going to get around because Aobod Thawne was always one of the iterations of the Reverse Flash. Mm-hmm. And we're wondering, well, it's Dr. Evil Pants and where's Thawne in this? The other thing to note about this is Iris's boyfriend, What's his last name? I don't know. Thawne. Is it? Yes. Ah, interesting. So Eddie is likely Aobod's ancestor, which may, which may come into play. We'll see. So we, uh, when this episode ends, we now know Dr. Evil Pants was not Dr. Evil Pants. Aobod Thawne, reverse flash it- from the future, sucked him dry and took over his... Uh, personality his body and his persona and used it to get the particle accelerator put together five years earlier than it originally happened in aobot's timeline Hmm. because he wants to get home faster so he came back and he's altered the timeline in many ways killed off dr evil pants took his place and then also and the wife killed off the wife who hadn't died originally and 
made the particle accelerator happen five years earlier than it did in the original iteration of the timeline. So... That's why he keeps asking the newspaper what's going on, right? Right. So they had the wacky, dumb episode, but then they had these little breadcrumbs of big story arc altering stuff told in flashback. Um... Dr. Evil Underpants. Yes, Hando. <laughs> Silence of the Hamels. Also, yes, Hando. <laughs> uh, oh, my gosh. A glance at the IRC. Yep. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check it out. I've, I've, I've learned to appreciate really good episodes yeah. by watching really bad episodes. And this one was not the greatest episode, but it did have some important story points salted into it. So it's, it's also worth watching just to have, to watch Mark Hamill just chewing on the scenery he is doing. And you gotta remember here, Mark Hamill has been the voice actor behind the Joker for years in the animated series. And he really sucks really hard on that straw during this episode. It's like... <laughs> You're just playing the Joker. <laughs> but he's the Joker is good. The Joker he does in the animated suit, the voice acting he does is phenomenal. Yeah. I, he is one of my very favorite voice actors who's done the Joker. He really, um, him and, and the Harlequin from the animated series have, have great scenes together. Um, so uh, part of me internally was warring with the, yeah, but Trickster is the low rent bad joker and but it's i'm hearing the voice of the good joker, good joker. and i can't handle it i bring my brain hurts well so, you know maybe he'll come back and be a better better trickster we'll see um barry, you never know yeah we'll see so finally agents of shield uh-huh. uh they're getting their feet under them in a big way um they're finally they have the inhuman storyline Yes. And they are running with it. Um, so there's movement from just the average viewer who's like, where are all the superhumans? Here they are. There's movement for the fanboys seeing, holy crap, Terrigen Mists, Cree City, uh, Inhumans, and this is all old school Marvel Universe stuff, left, right, and center. You've got the real shield. Maybe have you watched far enough to get that dropped in your lap? Yes. So you've you've seen I've, you've, the shield. Seen, uh, I've actually finished it. Okay. I'm caught up on that. You are That's caught up the on only this one, one I'm caught up. Okay. So you've seen through the end of uh, which one was that? One door closes. One door closes. Yes. Which is uh, kind of a wham episode. It, it greatly alters the um, vector of a lot of people. So. Colson is sent off on his own and connects with Hunter and they kind of Hunter throws his lot in with Colson and they're last seen sitting in a bar planning their next move. Um, Sky is contacted by Gordon, the eyeless teleporter we've seen previously mm-hmm. harvesting in humans, Reyna and not technically an inhuman, but uh, not harvesting, more like collecting them. Harvesting sounds like he's doing bad things to them. Well, we don't it, know that it yet. remains to be seen. Right. Um, we've seen him come and collect Sky's dad, um, also known as Mr. Hyde. Um, and he comes and meets her at the safe house, mm-hmm. which is the Hulk proof cabin that they've been um, hanging out in. 
and tells her a little bit about, you know, there's a community of people like you. We would like to help you. Um, call me when you need me. Yep. And then the other shield comes to apprehend her and um, Bonnie, what's her character's name again? Uh, uh, Mockingbird um, is there with... Bonnie. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the Blondie. Uh, is there trying to bring her in gently and the other person, people on the team, especially her fellow um, officer, is very quick to pull a trigger and tries to kill Skye, who reflexively uses her uh, developing powers to flatten most of a forest and nearly kill him, the guy who tried to kill her. with. Well, a- in order to stop the bullet. Yeah. But right, you pushed it. She was trying to push the bullet away and just pushed a lot of other things because away. Because she has no control over it. It was right. completely defensive and reactionary. Mm-hmm. And that convinces her that she needs help. And she you know, quietly says, Gordon, I need you. And he teleports in, grabs her, and teleports away with her. So real shield coming in, screwing things up for everybody because they think they're doing the right thing. We have a lot of flashbacks where we see how the real shield came to be their own struggles on the day that Hydra, you know, the, the winter soldier movie crossover day. Mm-hmm. So we got to see do a flashback. We got to see Xena again before yeah. she was killed. We got to see, um, commander Adama. I mean, um, Gonzalez. Gonzalez. They're on their aircraft carrier <laughs> together. And, <laughs> Mac. That's probably why you're confused. It's another big ship. Yeah, Mac and Mockingbird and a couple other, uh, you know, faith apparently faithful Shield people fighting against Hydra, and they have their moment of you know our orders from Fury are to destroy this ship because the cargo here is too important. Nobody can get it, right. and they decide no, we're gonna we're gonna forge our own destiny here, and they instead retake the ship. So they ignore the, they ignore their old orders from the old shield and they kind of make their break and they've been busily rebuilding what they feel to be the continuation of shield the same way colson and his team have been isolated from them building what they feel is the continuation of the real shield correct both halves feel totally justified and the gonzalez half the real shield um I don't like calling them the real shield because they don't have Coulson. That's what they call them. Well, they have some. They have some valid concerns when they look in from the outside. And look at Coulson. Yeah, there's that guy who was dead that Fury brought back to life using alien blood, who then became obsessed with an alien city that he then took his team to, got one of them killed, got another one of them transformed, and then destroyed the city so nobody else can ever investigate it. Well, and yes. Or use yeah. it. We're not sure that Coulson is what you would call uncompromised. Yeah, but I'm not sure that the other team is uncompromised either. Well, none of I them mean, have been brought back the, from the dead with alien DNA. But they were in the middle of this battle with Hydra, right? Right. How do you positively know that Gonzalez or any one of them is not part of Hydra? Even Colson said when he was talking to Gonzalez for a moment there that Gonzalez had left uh, Shield to take care of his wife because of mm-hmm. something or other. And came back. And came back. And then when he came back, he came back with purpose. Well, that's great. He could have come back with purpose because you know, his mission. wife is dead. Right. And now he, he this is his mission. Right. Or that, that those could very well be breadcrumbs for a future moment of dun 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 hail exactly. Hydra. We'll see. Exactly. Um, 
but it, on the surface, it looks like they they just feel like they're they're the good the guys. Yep, they both feel like they're the good guys. Right. So at the end of the episode, Coulson is in the wind, and Sky is with the Inhumans, um, wherever Gordon took her to, mm-hmm. and the rest of the team are captives of the real Shield. And they're worried about getting into uh, Fury's toolbox, which is the little cube that uh, contains we don't know what. See, my I feel like, I mean, I get it that they both think that they're the real shield. Mm-hmm. But I feel that if Coulson's team had found this real shield place, you know, and investigated them and understood that this is what they were doing, they would have gone in in a slightly less destructive way, in well, my opinion. Well, because they, they wouldn't have had the misgivings about the other guys. The, the, the whole the distrust is based on Coulson's history, and I can't really find fault with their argument. But the it's, guy, not even, it's not even just based on Coulson's history, because when you think about it, Coulson even says that because of what happened with Hydra, even in his own team, trust is hard to come by. So right. I feel like they, they may have approached the other team and been distrustful because of the Hydra thing, mm-hmm. but I don't think there would have been as much violence. I think you're right. If it, if it had been the opposite way, but I'm saying the way it did unravel, oh, yeah, and the sure. and the reason, because Gonzalez's team was aware of Coulson's team and deliberately stayed out of contact with him because eh, we think he's an alien and we don't trust him, and we think he's collecting super powered people because of his own agenda, um, and that's one way of interpreting events. Um, it's just not since we've been watching Coulson's team, we naturally root for them. But I really have a hard, I think the writers have done a good job of, of making Gonzalez's motivations easy to understand. Absolutely, like they're this. they are easy to understand. Again, the, the the villain is the hero of his own story, and I'm not saying that. I mean, Gonzalez is definitely set up as a, an antagonist for our team that we've been following since the beginning of the series. But he definitely is the hero of his story. He's like, I'm doing this for the good of Shield. As I understand S.H.I.E.L.D. to be. And S.H.I.E.L.D. is not led by alien infected people who were dead, who are, are obviously mentally unstable because they're carving things uncontrollably in the wall and are driven to find this alien city. That's not normal activity for the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. We don't think that's, that's a stable person to follow. But the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. has used aliens before. I mean, in the movies, that's what Fury does. But he, he wasn't an alien himself. The, 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 ah. the, the crux of their argument is Coulson himself has been compromised. Got it. In, in unknowable ways. Like he was brought back from the dead after being dead for days by alien blood, mm-hmm. which as obviously, and by Coulson's own admission, affected his mind. Fury put May in place to monitor Coulson to take him out if he flipped out. So even Fury wasn't totally sure how things were going to work out. So I think it's a really good storytelling that they've got this other team that totally doesn't trust Coulson and is going to have a we're going to have a really hard time convincing them. So we'll and we'll see what they have in store for us because it could very well be that at some point Gonzalez will you know. In a, in a pivotal scene, we'll shoot somebody in the back and, at, a, at a critical moment and say, Hail Hydra. And, oh, God, j- just as we were starting to trust them and everyone was getting along. Oh, no. Or they could just become buddies and Gonzalez will 
be chill with Colson and everything will be we'll see. rainbows and flowers. And this is what keeps us watching. But <laughs> the important bit is, is this is no longer the Monster of the Week show. And it is way more watchable than it was last year at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm more interested in, I even care about what happens to Sky. Holy crap. Well, you know, she, she's gotten better. But even I was kind of getting disillusioned with Gemma. For a while there, she well, again. I I find her reaction very believable. She's, I find her reaction believable, but extreme. It is absolutely extreme. She is proceeding from a place of fear, crazy fear, crazy fear, because these are things that she cannot have any hope of ever controlling or predicting. And she comes from a world of predictability, science, experimentation, the scientific method, control. I can figure this out. And she just keeps getting hit in the face with, here's a whole bunch of stuff that is completely beyond your ability to ever fathom. Oh, and it's going to shake up your world every time and there's not a damn thing you can do about it. Ha ha, neener, neener, neener. And it is messing with her head because she comes from a place where she needs to be in control and she is utterly powerless and out of control. Right, but she's also an intellect, intellectual woman, and she should understand history has proven that when you, co- when you come from a place of that extreme blanket fear and you put that fear on a, anything, you know, a race, a, a particular person, a particular trait, bad things happen. But she's not thinking about it that way. All she's, see what she is trying to do. She is trying to control. What is her reaction to Sky? Here's some gauntlets to counteract the power. Here's improved gauntlets to more strongly dampen the power. Let's get you back to normal, is her approach. Not let's understand the change. Not let's figure out how you can deal with this. Let's use technology to bottle it up and stop it from happening because we have to get things back the way they were because she can't handle it. And her only response is, I will make technology. I will use science to fix it. And it keeps not fixing Or get rid of it. Or get rid of it. You know, she desperately mm-hmm. would love to have it go away. She keeps talking to Sky in terms of, we'll get you back to normal. We will fix uh-huh. this. We'll undo it. And she's refusing to see the fact that this is who Sky is. She was never human. She was made for the Terrigen Mists. She was the, always this. And this was what she was meant to become. And you can't fix that because then you're breaking Sky or Daisy. Um, so that's, and to me, that's why I find her reaction while annoying and deplorable and kind of painful to watch is completely believable. And it's interesting to see because the, the roles have reversed from the first season. Um, you know, since Fitz has come back from his injury, he's the much more empathetic one. He used to be also all science and I have a technology that will fix this and, you know, I've got robots, I've got, and I'm, you know, I, I know how to be a field agent and cause I know the rules and he's the one who was trying to disguise what had happened in the sky and trying to keep the others from overreacting um, because that's who he has become because of what has happened to him. It's a very interesting reversal in their roles from, from one year like, based on the things that have been done to them. I think I think that he's always been sympathetic. I mean, when he was, he's always been a character that tries 
to be better, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, remember that episode when they took him out on the field for the first time mm-hmm. and he he was not very good at it. No, but he wasn't terrible either. He wasn't terrible. He just was not very good at it. And he wasn't very brave either. But in the end, he ended up, you know, showing that he could be brave if it was necessary. When it was necessary. So I think he's always a character that tries to be better than he really is. Yeah, and he's really, this is kind of a moment for him to shine. Mm-hmm, exactly. Because uh, he, is, he is much more stand-up to the new shield than Gemma is. Gemma's like, oh, hi, you're here. Yes, I kind of don't like you. And, and Fitz is like, yeah, uh, who do I need to hit? Although you got to give How props to Gemma for taking out Bonnie, though. Yes. That was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm get, she suck, she suckered in. her in so hard. It was great. Oh, I see where this is going. Hold that, hold that. And she's down. And <laughs> that, was great. that was great. A wonderful scene. Uh, so yeah, uh, lots of really good, um, you know, comic booky nerdy goodness going on. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Age of Ultron looming here soon. Correct. The the ramp up to uh, the release is becoming obvious. You know, more and more you know video shorts being released and new trailers and posters. They had a poster finally of a clear shot of Paul Bettany as the Vision. And awesome-looking, totally believable android-looking costume they've created for him. Very much, they, you know, they kept the yellow and green and uh, red of the Silver Age uh, vision, which was a, a bold choice. When we were talking earlier about trying to replicate the uh, comic book costumes a little too closely. Trickster! Um, but they, they kept the color scheme, but made it otherwise a very, very believable extension of Stark style technology that they've established in the movies. It's a really cool looking poster there. And, you know, we're getting into this vortex perfect storm that I think that Marvel's been designing for us because two days ago, Daredevil dropped Mm -hmm. onto Netflix. Now, this is a weird one. We're, I mean, no matter what, we're definitely in the Gilligan period for the first episode because it's less than two weeks. Yes. We and have, please, I'm barely going to start watching it today, so I don't want I've only too seen, much talk. I've only seen episode one. And we're, we're within the Gilligan period, definitely. So, But it's, we need to come up with a policy for these things that drop and are binge-watchable. Yeah. And when is it okay to talk about the entirety of the episode span when you could you could have you could be done watching it by now? You could have finished watching it that first day if you'd binged it. Well, Grail has. Oh, has he? He's already yeah. through. Yeah. <laughs> well, to... he works from home. He can put oh, it on okay. while he's working, so. Asshole. Um, I know. <laughs> I can tell you at least from the first episode. Um this is Marvel's Arrow. Yeah, that's what, that's exactly what Grail said. He said it's amazing. I have to watch it. It is and that way it's darker. Just like Arrow, it's darker, darker, so I'll enjoy it. It's it's got fewer of the beautiful people in it, so it's less CW, and they've really gone with a, a gritty. It has a wonderful tie-in with the cinematic universe because the whole setting is that Hell's Kitchen is rebuilding from the destruction wreaked during the Avengers movie, mm-hmm. and. All the construction needing to happen has been a perfect opportunity for organized crime to move in and infiltrate the contractors and all. So you have these these families of um, different kinds of mobsters. So they have a Chinese lady and they have some Russian mob types. So you have people who are doing slave trade. You've got people who are rigging uh, construction bids. And you've got people who are doing dealing drugs. 
So the Chinese lady is all about drugs. The Russian mobsters are about human trafficking. And the local American guys, good old-fashioned mafioso types, are skimming money off of huge construction projects. And you've got all those, and you have the representative of the unseen new guy. Because the other thing that's happening here is Fisk, a.k.a. eventually known to be Kingpin, is making his move to start taking over as the overlord of crime. And this is his story. is going to be told over this, the story of Daredevil as well. Um, from one of the previews, we get the idea that both Matt Murdock and Fisk feel like they're doing right by Hell's Kitchen. They're both there to save where they grew up. Fisk is going to do it by imposing order on the crime syndicates, and Daredevil is going to do it by fighting against crime. But they both feel like they're there to save their homes. They have radically different uh, techniques for achieving that. And that's mm-hmm. what, then that's the source of their conflict. So it's you know straight out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We're, we are rebuilding from the destruction of Avengers. Hell's Kitchen is not the nicest place in New York. And go. So it is very dirty, very gritty. Um, fight choreography is great. Um, they do a good job with not hitting you over the head with the origin story. They do just enough to know here's where he came from. And he's a lawyer. Oh, look, he's also a nighttime blind vigilante. How interesting. Um, and the storytelling goes from there. So as far as the first episode is concerned, 10 out of 10 can recommend that you all go watch it. And from the reactions I've gotten from Twitter, people say, oh, you think it's good now? Keep watching. Mm -hmm. And the indications are that it gets even better. Even better. So I am cautiously optimistic that Marvel is delivering what I hoped they would which is a whole miniature Marvel Cinematic Universe on Netflix with all the four different storylines that they will interweave, and then we'll get the Defenders movie. And it will be equally as fun and as exciting as the Avengers movie was, but on Netflix for a budget. Which is awesome. It's great. Yeah. No, Grail was very excited about it. I can't wait to watch it. More like this. More like this. Ah. Yeah. And, of course, in throw into the mix of this, we're about to get more Game of Thrones and Tonight. Nerdgasm. Mm-hmm. Um, combined with uh, the launch, uh, just in time, of course, of HBO Now, uh, partnering between Apple and HBO for the You Don't Need a Cable subscription and we will give you HBO on your Apple devices. I know, and, but uh, why does it have to be Apple? Because they paid, Apple is so prior. They just like they ugh. paid a lot of money for a I limited know. exclusive. Later in the year, you will be able to get it on other services. And you, services you can already get it on things. Some other services like Sling TV. If you're a Sling TV subscriber, you can get a version of this. The interface apparently isn't quite as nice, but it, the content is there. So it's not totally locked into Apple, but it is won't be wide open until later in the year. So eventually you will. But money talks, and Apple gave HBO money. a very large check probably or some kind of deal that said, here, give us this many months of exclusive, and then all bets are off. So soon as all bets are off, I'm there. Of course. You're, you're day will come. You have an Xbox One. You can get Sling TV. Yeah, I guess, but they said it wasn't as great. The interface isn't as good, but the content is identical. So. I mean, the, I know the content is identical. So just so it's a little more annoying to yeah. get to it. And again, 
Make, I can just, watch just, it now, though. I don't have an up, issue. Yeah, I was going to say, just sign up month to month and then switch to another, this, this better service that you find later on in life. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't need to. I, I, could, I can watch it now. I'm just going to wait till it comes out on other devices, and then I will sign up. So it is definitely happy, happy, joy, joy time with, uh, yes, Barry VA Teamsters, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the walled garden, Daxa. Here's your Kool-Aid. I know. Seriously. This too shall pass. It will come. Um, so TV, movie land talk. Um, mm-hmm. We could keep going. There is tons more. But th- those are the high points of the stuff we, we like to pay attention to. So the DC and Marvel efforts largely um, are banging on all cylinders. DC has tons of irons in the fire for future television. They're really making oh their move. They're hardcore. Um, so we're going to get Supergirl. We're going to get this uh, as yet unnamed but taking shape spinoff from the Arrow Adams uh, Arrow uh, Flash universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's gathering steam and gathering. Uh, so far, they've announced it's going to have Hawk Girl in it and White Canary, um, played by the same actress that played the original Black Canary, but not necessarily in the exact same role. Lazarus Pitt. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> and Brandon Routh as um, Ray Palmer slash the Adam. So, and they've got uh, Suicide Squad uh, starting to release cast photos, and it's just it just keeps going and going and going. I, I know. I'm still I'm still thinking it's it's going to get to the point where it's too much, it too will. many. I guarantee you, it will. This is the life cycle of Hollywood. Um, they find a formula that works, and they milk it until they make it's until they dead. make it not work anymore because they have overdone it. Which yeah. is why I look at what Marvel is doing, and they have no. We have a television show, and we have movies that come out spaced apart, and we have Netflix series that drop all at once, are short, and are spaced apart. I think long term, their model ta- is going to be model better. Was more sustainable because it always mm-hmm. leaves us wanting a little more. Absolutely. DC is going to bury us with options, and, and, and there's this weird thing in the human brain that says, yeah, there's so much of it now, it doesn't feel special anymore. And unfortunately, we're also we're going to lump it all together under one heading of comic book entertainment, and we're going to burn out on it as a whole. So I, I expect what you think is going to happen is going to happen, and it'll be DC's fault for going too crazy, but Marvel's going to participate as well. I'm sure because uh, we just add it all together, and there'll, then there'll be third parties that jump in with you know you know B, C, and D list comic characters to try and milk the gravy train. We'll see. Uh, but for now, we have not reached saturation point, and we're still feeling happy and good about it. So embrace the now. <laughs> and now is break time. Break time. So we're going to play a little music for you. I've got some Mark Gunn uh, queued up for you. He is. This is from. Uh, Sci-fi drinking songs. <laughs> so this is the album, and the track is Romulan Ale. Does what it says. Says what it does. We'll be back in a few minutes, and with lots more. Lots of very tech-heavy section coming at you next. We'll return right after this. Hi, this is Brian Ibbett from the Morning Stream, and you're listening to Alpha Geek Radio. When Vulcan was filled with emotions and war To pull them from extinction there arose but one man Sir, deplored emotions are bad Suppress all your feelings and logic will stand 
Some Vulcans departed for Romulus they charted No logic to guide them, they still did not fail Then they started brewing a blue mixture stewing That swept the whole quadrant, it's Romulan Ale Romulan Ale, boys, Romulan Ale No liquor in space like Romulan Ale Romulan Ale, boys, Romulan Ale No liquor is quicker than Romulan Ale Vulcans and humans, Ferengi, Bajorans When once you have tasted, you know it's a shame That Romulan ale was banned in all quadrants One sip and you're drunk, do you remember your name? You'll be a stargazer, it's better than phasers To open your mind when diplomacy fails Illegal it may be, but don't let that stay be Just serve all those Klingons some Romulan ale Romulan ale, boys, Romulan ale No liquor in space is like Romulan ale Romulan ale, boys, Romulan ale No liquor is quicker than Romulan ale You captains may hide from Federation eyes Be thankful that they won't see you in the morn When you grab a pretty ensign to take away your tension She'll pull you straight to her as you fall through her door You'll kiss her sweet lips, then stumble through the ship She'll tell all her friends the captain she nailed Intoxicating nectar, Klingon blood wine's no better Than a big gallon jug of that Romulan nail Romulan nail, boys, Romulan nail No liquor in space like Romulan nail Romulan nail, boys, Romulan nail No liquor is quicker than Romulan nail who use it for medicinal fun Better stick to your potions and hypos and pills It may help you forget the ex-wives you stun But you left with your bones and barely a will Romulans, they noticed these effects were a bonus An extra added way to conquer the frail Export this blue liquor, emotions fall quicker Just spike fucking water with Romulan nail Romulan nail, boys, Romulan nail No liquor in space like Romulan nail Romulan nail, boys, Romulan nail No liquor is quicker than Romulan nail Romulan nail, boys, Romulan nail No liquor in space like Romulan nail Romulan nail, boys, Romulan nail No liquor makes you sicker than Romulan nail This is Jocelyn from the Gamers Inn and the Angry Chicken, and you're listening to Alpha Geek Radio. Job's done. Casually Hardcore continues live on alphageekradio.com. Ah, just ah. running back to the chair just in time. <laughs> I saw that. Before we get into all the tech talk, though, yes. since we were talking TV a little bit, I wanted a to kind bit. of... Huh? <laughs> Just a little bit. Just a little bit, you know, for the past section. Um, I did want to talk about the um, Indiegogo for Kings of Khan. Ah, yes. Go for it. So if you guys haven't heard about this, it's um, the Supernatural stars um, Rob Benedict and Richard Spate Jr. are putting an Indiegogo. Basically what happened is... Um, when they go to these cons, they vo- they were only in a couple of the Supernatural episodes. They were they were maybe in four, a handful each. They weren't in that many. But when they go to these conventions, 
they are like kings at these conventions because a Rob is the leader of Lode and Swain, the the lead singer of Lode and Swain band, which plays at all the conventions and is a really good, really good band. He's got an amazing singing voice, and um, Richard Spade Jr. is actually the MC of okay. most of these conventions. So they kind of become like little kings of mm-hmm. of the convention for the weekend of the convention, kings and they do about con. thirteen a year. Huh? I want to be a king of a con. Yeah. So they came up with this idea, and they are hilarious together. Their chemistry is amazing. So they came up with an idea to basically make a show about them going and th- how their lives are at these cons. And then when they go back to real life where they're basically just like nobodies. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the day that they decided to do this, I guess someone else had the same idea. But they decided to go about it anyway. They have an Indiegogo campaign going on. And if you are a fan of Supernatural, you have to go and give them some money because they just put out a three-minute um, opening scene trailer for Kings of Con, and I'll try to post it in IRC, but basically um, it's, on a, I think, on e- EW.com. You can find it. Okay. But it is hilarious. They are so funny together, and it's such a good um, idea for a show. That I think it would be really funny. So you have to go and check this out. And if you do, give them some money. There's some pretty cool things on there. Actually, just today on the Twitter account, someone wanted to, for $10,000, You can they'll basically come and play at your wedding and officiate your wedding. Do it um, because Dax has said so. And one, la- one girl tweeted him and said, hey, I want to do this, but A, will you play at a lesbian wedding? And B, can it be a year or, or two from now? And they're like, absolutely it can. So, yeah. It's crazy stuff going on. I mean, the, they're giving up things like their underwear. <laughs> <laughs> because the internet, okay. <laughs> because the internet. But anyways, I feel like it's going to be a great show. I'll put I'll put the link on there, but definitely go watch the, that three-minute tr- little trailer they have. It's hilarious. You're going to die laughing. Excellent. All right, we have our bottom half of our show here. And Fro, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, has finally joined us in the 21st century. Uh, More signs of the changes wrought by the acquisition of Lucasfilm by the great Disney Marvel Empire. (laughs) A step in the right direction. So they, and if you've, logged on to any kind of digital entertainment interface in the last couple of weeks, you have gotten this in the face because they're also advertising the hell out of it. This is the Star Wars The Digital Movie Collection. They have released all six existing Star Wars films in digital format. I so, thought there was only three. You're good. <laughs> I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately for the purists, they are the most recent iteration of the special editions for episodes four, five, and six. Uh, so on the upside, they're the very much cleaned up uh, digital copies. On the downside, they have all of the George Lucas editions uh, and improvements. And this is, um, th- this is the way I always uh, envisioned it, and it's the only real uh, version. So uh, stop asking for the old one, okay? Uh in other news, there have been rumblings from within and, and some pseudo-announcements that eventually we will get to the place where the original editions will be available 
and they will harvest more of our money because that's I will pony up cash for that to, to, to encourage them to act that way again in the future. So for now, the special editions and the, the, the current iterations of all the films are available via iTunes, Google Play, Vudu, Amazon, Verizon, Fios, Xbox, Disney Movies Anywhere, PlayStation Video, Nook, MGO Premium, and the Cineplex Store. <laughs> and a partridge in a pear tree with a blaster. So if you've always wanted it on various devices, you can now... Give Disney Marvel more of your monies and just go anywhere on the internet and you'll find an advertisement for this damn thing. Uh, but just go to StarWars.com and it's all over the place there. And we finally get what we asked for. Almost. Almost. You're so close. <laughs> just give us the option to download the original cut and all shall be well. And and the Christmas special. I want my Christmas special. <laughs> my, aren't you picky? Because, George, that's totally canon. Wookiee Life Day? Oh, yeah. Princess Leia singing a song? Oh, yeah. Bring it on. Uh, so in other news, mm-hmm. um, Microsoft, similar to um, Marvel Disney, giving us what we wanted after... Eventually? After, yeah, eventually, after screwing up. Um, so roll back the clock to the original launch of the Microsoft Surface, which was their tablet effort. Mm -hmm. The first thing they launched was the tablet RT. And your reaction kind of summed up the the market's reaction. It was the ARM-based version. It was a a different version of Windows that ran different apps that was meant to be a direct competitor for the iPad in that long battery life, good computing power, very thin, very light, and runs off an app store that's different from their main computer. And Apple pulled this off no problem. The iOS app store existed before the Mac app store, but now the Mac app store, they're, they're separate and distinct. They service their platforms. Everything is fine. Microsoft screwed it up. They, they didn't make it clear to people that Windows RT was a different version of Windows. It's like iOS versus Mac OS. And so people's first taste of... The Surface was very unsatisfactory, and the Surface RT is now no longer. So the first, t- and it's the first taste of the Surface RT. Yeah, the Surface RT sucked. The Surface RT then went away. Right. Surface Pro came out, and that was the one that got some more traction because it's a full ultrabook computer in tablet form. Mm-hmm. And you ha- you have one of those decks, and you dearly love it. I love it. I maintain that it is still it is one of the most. Um, underrated products that Microsoft has ever launched. The Surface Pro, while being a bit spendy for a tablet, is right on price point-wise for the Ultrabook computer that it really is. It just also happens to be a fully functional tablet to boot. Uh, So it's an ultra-portable computer and tablet all in one. Great. As a, we're very sorry, here's how we probably should have done it to begin with, they now have released the Surface 3. So they've got the Pro, the Surface Pro has gone through Surface Pro 1, Surface Pro 2, they're on Surface Pro 3 now, Mm -hmm. and they've released the companion product for it called the Surface 3. It is no longer the bastardized ARM-based, runs a different App Store version. It is simply a lower-powered version of the Surface Pro. Runs on an Intel Atom processor, small solid-state drive, but runs regular Windows. 
So you have a uniform experience across the surface line. You just have the more affordable, less powerful version now in the Surface 3. And then the full computer banging on all cylinders, Intel i7-based, you know, hugely powerful Surface Pro 3. But it's all one architecture. It's the, it's the same operating system, same everything, just here's the slower, cheaper one. Here's the faster, cool one. You should have done this from day one, guys. This is a truly... Uh, indicating that Balmer is no longer in charge and Satya Nadella now is in charge because, hey, look, stuff people actually want to buy and are willing, at a price people are willing to pay. Good on you, Microsoft. Only two and a half years too late. We'll see how it does. Uh, you know what? Sometimes better late than never. I awesome. mean, I held out for a really long time because I wanted a computer, not mm-hmm. an not, iPad. Not a, not a crippled tablet. Yes, pretty much. So I, I, and I love my my Surface Pro right now, but I'm definitely going out and getting a Surface Three. Well, the big deal on the Surface Three is it starts at five hundred dollars, because the Pros start at twelve hundred for the low end yeah. ones. You get a lot for that money, but it was not effectively competing in the tablet market. It was effectively competing in the ultrabook market. Um, but it also wanted to be a tablet. This is that middle ground of, hey, you can have the best of both worlds and not break the bank. True, true. Or you can break the bank and get the best. This is true. <laughs> um, and keep it a hell of a lot longer. And you, you get what you pay for. Yeah. Um, we'll see. I hey, mean, Microsoft- Grill wanted to take my... He's yeah, obviously not here because he's off in Chicagoland, but he wanted to take my Surface. And I'm like, why do you want to take my Surface? You have your iPad. Take your iPad. And then it hit me. Ah, I have Steam on my Surface. You want to play video games. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I love it. I highly recommend it. Go get one. I've been watching Microsoft with interest uh, since the new CEO took over. And I think they're in for a renaissance because they're really... They're becoming platform agnostic, where here's our services, and you can get to our really cool services on whatever platform you like. You want iOS, you want Android, you want Windows, great. Here's a version for all of them. Instead of, they tried the walled garden approach, and it backfired on them, because that's not the history of Windows. Windows has always been the do-whatever-you-want, you know, more open world, and... Now they're not trying to lock people into, no, you must have a Windows phone, a Windows tablet, and a Windows computer. Uh, instead saying, oh, yeah, just use our stuff on whatever. So their sales are turning around and people are perceiving them differently. And we'll see if they can maintain that uh, going forward. I think one of the most telling things was when they announced that Windows 10 will be free for the first year for owners of Windows 7 and Windows 8. That's mm-hmm. the clearest indicator of seeing that Microsoft is telling the world we are no longer going to be a, an operating system company. We don't see the operating system as our cash cow anymore. We're going to do other things better that you're going to be willing to pay for, and we're just going to give you the OS as a way of getting to the stuff that we want to sell you. That may work very well for them. We'll see. As long as, as, long as the services they, they continue to offer are compelling and interesting... Uh, and they, you know, they consume things like Skype and not screw them up and integrate them into things like, oh, your Xbox One and your Surface 3 tablet. And, you know, this will, this will be their FaceTime and we'll, we'll see how it all comes together. But early indications here are that some 
pretty fun decisions are being made, and the Surface 3 is, I think, a further indication of, hey, let's listen to our customers and give them what they want. I agree. I think, um, I just feel like the Surface has more versatility. When yeah. I when I took it to the, the Supernatural convention, I ran out of, because I, I had just gotten uh, a GoPro, and I ran out of space on my GoPro, and I needed something to download all that information on quickly, yep. like fast, so that before the next panel started, I could get the next panel on the GoPro. Mm-hmm. And my Surface was the perfect thing. I pulled it out. I downloaded all the information. You and had while it was downloading, a USB port. You had a, you just had the port there at all. I, mean, I know. It's great. No, but my- it also, while it was doing that, it was also... Um, my battery was kind of low on my GoPro, so it was also charging my yep. GoPro at the same time. Andy. And the girls that I was there with, they were like, oh, my God, I love that. What is that? Mm-hmm. They didn't even know. Yeah. Now one of them's going out to get one. Exactly. It's, it's an underrated, unknown, great product. I am near the end of life on my iPad 2, and I'm leaning heavily towards replacing it with the Surface 3 because the price point is there and – I got to go try one, you know, for reals and, and see if how it, how it feels. Um, mm-hmm. But on paper, it looks like the thing for me. So yeah, I'm gonna try and the, get out. The and- one's a little heavy. Um, you know, that was the one thing that I that I didn't care for. It was a little heavier right. than obviously an iPad. But I mean, Surface the 3- Three is lighter than your Pro. Exactly. Uh, so we'll see. But performance wise, I'm curious as to where where the price point will be to get the performance that I want. And you know, coming from an older iPad where I haven't, I haven't tasted of the fruit of the super slim newer ones, being on a two, <laughs> so it won't be as big of a deal for me if this one's a little fat to be to give me a full computer. So, what? Nothing. It's funny. It's a little fat. You live, okay? <laughs> so, so like a little meat on your computers. I like big butts, and I cannot lie. Anyway, <laughs> I, my tablet oh. has a fat ass. What's your point? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, something we've touched on uh, previously on the show, Microsoft, not Microsoft, Amazon's Amazon uh, desire to take over the world. Pretty much. Their intention to you know, have same-day delivery, th- delivery almost nationwide be a thing has taken a step forward. Uh, they've, got, they've named the service Prime Now. Um, HBO Now? Prime Now? I guess we're, Prime all, now. we're all living in the now. Because we want it now. So from GeekWire.com, Amazon again expands Prime Now one-hour delivery service, this time to Austin. Uh, service available to Amazon Prime members who pay a $99 a year fee offers one-hour deliveries for $7.99 and two-hour delivery for free. Mm-hmm. Damn. Prime Now was launched initially in Manhattan four months ago and soon after was rolled out in Brooklyn. That makes total sense since there are such dense areas. They could drop a couple of warehouses there and totally pull it off. It also became available in Baltimore, Miami, and Dallas last month before arriving in Atlanta last week and now Austin. Going to be interesting to see how this pans out. Um, you know, will this be the death of brick and mortar retail? If they do it right, it totally could kill. You know, I'd say see them killing everything but their biggest competitors. This could be a land of of Walmart and Amazon, and the wasteland, and the, and the corporate wars. Um, uh. I, I can see somewhere like some a big enough organization like Wally World stepping up and making their own version of this and taking them on toe to toe. 
Yeah, I mean, may, possibly. I just there's certain things that Amazon sells, like clothing and shoes, that I just don't feel will ever be the end of the brick and mortar thing. No, this is more for electronics, absolutely and necessities where they're identical no matter where you buy them. Exactly. Fashion accessories, stuff that is, uh, and home decor will never. You know, I don't think they'll ever. They can't replicate that shopping experience unless VR gets really damn good. Um, so, but certain categories like just stores that sell, you know, toilet paper and yeah, well, yeah, and you know, identical electronics. And then where Amazon started, you know, books and things like that. It's just it's the same everywhere. You figure out if you want it. You press the button. You receive it on your doorstep in one or two hours. Instant gratification. I mean that that's. And you never, and you didn't even have to leave your home, because it's 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 bringing the impulse by home. Because how often have you had you're at a store, you impulse buy something because you want to start playing with it right away, or start using it right away. This True. lets you do that with an online retailer. I just feel like an impulse buy is like. Okay, I oh my god, I just saw this amazing review of this video game. There's a Best Buy 3 blocks for me. I'm going to go buy it. And yeah, I get it. I can get it in an now, hour now or say, two for free. Oh, I just read but the I can get it I literally in five minutes. move my mouse, click it and read a couple more reviews. Oh, and now it's here. Now, a video game is probably a bad example cuz just go to Steam and download the damn Exactly. Thing. There's that too. So But I read this review of this amazing, you know, new controller for my console. And hey, an hour later, it's here, and I'm trying it. Okay, that's different. Or you know, yeah, that books, clothing. I just don't. I don't feel like that'll do it. But I mean, electronics. I, I've been using the living daylights out of my Prime service recently because of you know Aridan's graduation party. I've been right. ordering things practically daily. So, but I mean, I don't know how important it is for me to get it in an hour. There may be times where it's important, but this you may not be the target demographic for this. We'll yeah, see. I suppose so. So I've sneakily and not so sneakily because they had a lot of background noise. Added someone to the call. Who's joining us? This is true. Hey, how's the world? Pretty good. So I I hear we missed each other at WonderCon last weekend. Yeah, I took off work on Thursday. When I came back on Thursday, I was looking at my Twitch feed, and there's your badge picture. I was like, ah, dang it, I missed him again. (laughs) Oh, no. I was just there for the day. You know he does it on purpose, right, True? I'm just saying. If I wasn't choking to death, I would totally take you to task. Well, I'm sorry I didn't uh, – I wasn't sure I was going to be able to make it. It came together kind of last minute. I, I drove up uh, early Friday morning, attended, and left very early Saturday morning. So it was just – like I had just the one day on the ground there. Well, did you see the Batman movie? No. Ah, uh, you, you definitely get that one on a video when it comes out next month. <laughs> Tell me about it. What, 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 why, why do I need to see this? It's uh, well. It's Batman versus Robin, right. which is the name of the title. It's basically a direct, like, months later after Son of Batman. If you saw, I'm assuming you saw that. Yes. And it's the uh, Council of Owls storyline from the comic books. Okay. And it was just very good. It was very. It seemed very, very much building Dwayne Dwayne's character. It seemed very anime in its sensibilities. The stuff I've seen, as far as styling. Well, that's how everything since Under the Red Hood has been more like that. That's so. true. That's just kind of the direction That's the kind of universe they're building. So, totally worth it. Seek it as soon definitely, as I can lay my, my hot def- little hands on it. Definitely worth it. They also showed the other Batman, the other new Batman movie on on Sunday, which was Batman Animalistic Instincts. 
That might be going for Nemesis. That's definitely more a little kid Batman. Yeah, well, I mean, they 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 have a tradition, strong tradition of of like Brave and the Bold. You know that that targeting that. But my daughter ravenously consumed Brave and the Bold and loved every minute of it. So there's a place for that. It's you know it's nineteen sixties Batman, Brave and the Bold. So it's it's a long tradition that they're they're continuing to move forward with. Yeah, it was sort of a fusion of Batman Beyond, War- Batman Beyond. Batman, Barry the Bold, and the original animated series. It was sort of a very weird mixture of the three. Interesting. And a little bit of the Batman. Mm. So what what had you call it in today, or was it just to, to talk Well, about? you were saying about, about uh, things that you, say, buying furniture and stuff yes. online. Well, two words, Microsoft HoloLens. Yes. See, I'm wondering if the VR revolution that we seem to be on the or cusp AR. of, yeah, or augmented reality, is going to feed into this when they start populating virtual showrooms where you can feel like you've been in the presence of the item will increase sales. I, I, I fully expect the Amazons of the world to roll out virtual showrooms for whatever becomes the dominant VR or AR platform in the next couple of years and to further kill brick and mortar because you'll be able to feel like you've been to the store and you didn't leave your chair. Right. How will that couch look in my living room? How will that rug look on my floor? How will that TV stand ah. fit in my entertainment? So being, so being AR is vital because you need to overlay it on your existing world. Exactly. Yeah, see, that, if they can make that work, that's going to be huge. It's, th- it's things you've seen in speculative fiction on TVs and movies for that, that very much virtual shopping experience, but... It's totally within our grasp now. If they if they execute HoloLens and similar technologies well, because HoloLens is kind of still held to be kind of vaporware-ish. Um, people are like, yeah, people have seen demos, but they were also wired into big Horkin boxes and were told, oh yeah, this is the beta product, and you know the wireless ones coming. And but no one's ever seen you know the, yep, the this year allegedly. We'll see. I'm hoping. I am hoping, but I've also. I lived through Skeptical. You know, the Phantom Gaming Service and, and the aptly named Phantom Gaming Service and other Very true. things that were you know, good tech demos and then turned out to be complete vaporware. Now, they've got Microsoft behind them, and Microsoft is doing all these other things I was praising them for earlier, so hopefully this is in the same bucket with those of they're doing it right, they're getting ahead of the game, they're giving us something we want. Sure looked good on stage. I mean, the, the augmented reality they were doing in HoloLens was jaw-dropping, and people were saying... And if you wear it, you you don't understand how jaw dropping it is until you've experienced it. Like this, this was making things appear in the room around me, and they were completely believable. They weren't perfect. They weren't like it was really reality, but it was. Way I don't think it really has stuff. to be perfect, no. though. It'll I mean, there. for you just to get an idea, right. of and, what it would be. The people who are who have reported on it, who have who have played with the beta and the prototype, have said it's completely awesome the way it is, and it's only going to get better. Nice. So it bodes well, but and I think that would be a you know beautiful add-on to something like an Xbox One or a future generation of that. We'll see. Um, and Sony's you know Project Morpheus is going down the same road. We'll see. Hopefully, I mean the t- the tech is all there. I mean most of it's software, and the other thing is battery power. I have a feeling yes. there's going to be a fanny pack attached to that headset. Yes, well that's the thing. I mean, mm-hmm. look at the just launched this week Apple Watch. And, you know, basically you are putting that thing on the charger every single night. And if you use it heavily, you're going to annihilate the battery before the day is through. So the power challenge remains. I mean, even putting a computing 
device on your wrist because it's such a compact space. We don't, we do not have the power, Captain. Um, no, I have a Moto 360, and it and the charging nightly isn't that big of a deal. No, it's just, I mean it's the same routine you charge your cell phone. I mean, yep. I don't think it's going to be a big deal for someone who who really. It'll be a big deal if the watch is lame and you don't think about it a lot. If if the if the apps aren't compelling, I can see you forgetting about it. If you use it heavily and you're thinking about it a lot because you're constantly interfacing with it, of course, oh yeah, I need to get this charged. So I'm going to use the hell out of that tomorrow. So the apps are going to make or break. Um, the watch. The watch. And we're going to know in the next little bit here because the, the end user reviews will begin flowing in. And the re- it's going to be out there in the wild in the real world. And we'll see if this is going to be a, uh, a waste or the typical Apple, yeah, this was good. Now here's version 2.0 that doesn't suck and everyone wants. Uh, this was a good idea, but now it really works. Right. Now we fixed all the things that we've discovered since it's been out in the wild. Thank you, uh, early adopters, for being our unpaid beta testers. Exactly. Yes, hence the reason why I didn't buy an iPad 1 and I bought an iPad 2. <laughs> yep. And I had the 1, um, and you know the 2 was better in every important way. It was thinner, lighter, had the camera, uh, had better battery life. Um, mm-hmm. It was just everything that you wanted in the one that, you know, then Steve Jobs still being alive at the time was basically to say, it's not ready. Yes, we technically put, could put a camera in this thing. But the services that would use the camera suck and will make our product look bad. Take the camera out. So even though the solder points were there for the camera on the iPad 1, they removed it at the last minute because there was nothing to use the camera for at the time of launch that would have done anything but make the iPad look bad. iPad 2 comes out, the services have matured, FaceTime is a thing, the data networks from, for mobile carriers have improved. Hey, look, the camera does useful things and it, and it, do, and it makes the iPad better and doesn't make it look bad. So, you know, Apple will serve no wine before its time has always been their mantra <laughs> of... It's not, yes, we could do it, but it doesn't mean we should. It is, is it really ready for prime time? And what, what was it, the second iPad mini that had the 30-pin uh, adapter dock on the, t- on the top that they was, it was covered up by the uh, casing when yep. they found it? Because <laughs> they were considering having both interfaces available so you didn't have to abandon all your accessories no, the, 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 you could dock the iPod on top of the Mac Mini at the time. Oh, okay. I, I didn't... Yeah. You. It was like the second-gen Mac Mini had a 30-pin connector dock on oh, you, the motherboard. You said Mac plastic. Mini, and my brain computed iPad Mini. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was like, what? No, well, that's an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's But is it really better than just having a dock that plugs into a USB port? Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it would have limited appeal, I think, to have, oh, yes, I have my, my, my um, Mac Mini, and I always dock my iPod. But, oh, look, two years from now, they've changed the shape and size of the, of the iPod, and it doesn't fit anymore. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, going to be interesting to see. USB ports, they're all the rage. USB 3 <laughs> and the, what's the new? C. The USB-C, USB. the compact C. USB. Now, mm-hmm. I like USB-C in that they've adopted the universal connector. Plugs in oh, either way up, a la lightning bolt connectors. Um, about damn time. Um, 
but again, it's yet another cable standard. It's yet another conversion to go through. Um, but Apple, in their usual form, is forcing the change by saying, you want the new MacBook Pro? Great. Enjoy USB-C because that's all you're getting. Literally, yes, but at all least you're the time getting. they're not making it an Apple-only proprietary system. Right, it's at least Universal Serial Bus. It's just the newest Universal Serial Bus. So they're learning, um, and if we can get everybody on USB three and everybody on USB-C connectors, it will be a good world because we'll have one damn kind of cable, one Universal communication standard. We can buy our accessories one damn time. I wonder how long that'll last. Yeah, until C gets too slow. It's like, uh, yes. but it's like, what is it? Something obnoxious. It's like uh, gigabyte. It's like a gigabyte a second or something obnoxious. In, in, in perfect conditions, it is ridiculously fast. So until we start demanding you know, fiber levels of speed and responsiveness in our accessories, we should be good for a while at least. Right. All right. As long as it doesn't blow, as long as the as long as the interfaces don't blow up or fuse or something right. like that, like certain MacBook power, certain Mac uh, fi- FireWire ports did. Yeah, that was fun. Um, we'll see where things turn out. Uh, you, know, you never know until it gets released into the wild mm-hmm. what you know dumb consumers are going to do to it, or um, what unseen problems there were. Like USB one looked good in the lab and then we realized hey there's not enough amperage on this thing to drive anything so this whole concept of powering your devices off the usb port yeah that'll have to wait for version two and oh yeah by the way this is too slow to do anything useful with an external hard drive or anything needs high speed data so yeah let's wait for 2.0 so hopefully now that we're to version three of usb they've worked out most of those kinks and have finally delivered the product we would have wanted with 1.0 hey is any of this sounding familiar to anybody mm-hmm just a little bit. So joining us on the call to tell us why we're wrong is the Barry Von Awesome. How are you doing there? Great. I have notes. <clears throat> <laughs> I First knew I all, could rely upon you. Something interesting that occurred to me uh, while we were t- went from talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe to Amazon Prime okay. was that the way that they can guarantee instant delivery and the real estate for their giant warehouses that they need uh, and they're the only people with enough money to actually do this, is that Amazon can build their own helicarriers to fly over the major cities and parachute things down because they killed the drone program. Yep. But anything down – and it was maybe slightly inspired by the Trickster episode. Possibly, possibly. <laughs> they could just parachute things off of the helicarrier, the so, Amazon so helicarrier. Project branded. Insight Prime. Oh, my gosh. it's It seems so brilliant. It's their warehouse. It's their delivery system. It's – it's mobile. It's it's perfect. I think they should just they should just sell everyone a mini teleporter, and then they just teleport your stuff to you. Yeah, you can plug well, it. You can again, plug it into the USB data, three. When, when the data connections are fast enough, we'll get there. Yeah, but we're, we don't have that USB plug yet. Well, as soon as we as soon as we <laughs> develop Stark repulsor technology, we'll get those helicarriers up lickety split. So what else right. we got? All right, back to the beginning. We started talking about um, <laughs> the Flash, right? Of course. Uh huh. They actually did talk about the fact that uh, Evil ba- Dr. Evil Pants from the Future is related to Eddie in that episode that got retconned uh, when uh, Cisco discovered that Dr. Evil Pants right. was Dr. Evil Pants. That was the, he, that was the early reveal of, of Thawne being Thawne. Yeah, and he did mention the fact that – because Cisco instantly made that connection. Uh, as Thawne, as in Eddie Thawne, he's like, yeah, he's my ancient whatever. Yes. They did actually talk about that. 
Uh, oh, and then the thing that he used to uh, turn himself into Dr. Evil Pants, mm-hmm. I instantly was watching that and going, I've seen this before. What was this from? Well, it's from Fringe. It's from Fringe. It took me forever to figure that out, but I'm like, they stole that from Fringe. It's Fringe similar. is the greatest. Fringe, they had the, the spikes that would go into your soft palate. Yeah, um, and you had to be a sh- shapeshifter for right. it to work. But it was, and there was, it was mercury no. for blood, and it was very nasty. But it was – I had the same reaction. Oh, look, a little silver device that lets me steal your body. Oh, it's fringe all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. You were talking about how um, Mark Hamill as, like, the people's joker. Yes. I'm assuming you haven't played the Arkham City games. No. You need to go on YouTube and let them be spoiled for you because it is – especially uh, there was Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, and then the third one that just came out or is coming out. I don't know. I know it's already out. Uh, Mark Hamill is the, and, and the, the girl that plays the Joker are – or Harley Quinn are in, the voices in those games. Right. Yeah. And second one, Arkham City, is the ultimate Joker story of all time ever. I, I love Hamill as the Joker. I you should go and try to watch just the cinematics and like spoil the story, and so you don't have to play through the whole game because it's tedious. It's fun, but it would be tedious and time-consuming for you to just, do just to get to the cutscenes for the voice. Oh my gosh, it's so good! I, I find that very easy to believe. I, I want more. I it wish- is really good. I watch girl play it. It's it's a really good game. Yes. Okay. Agents of Shield. Yes. The two Shield things is going to be over really soon because we know uh, Samuel L. Jackson is in Avengers Two. He's in the trailer. I'm assuming there's going to be a big reveal in the next few weeks that uh, Nick Fury's still alive. Mm-hmm. He'll be revealed to the rest of the world. I mean, we we know Nick Fury is alive. The world exactly. doesn't know. And then while you were talking about the show, I just went through my head and went, hold on a second. Edward James Olmos is the captain of this sh- ship. Ship, yes. Lucy Lawless is there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to run around and figure out who the evil people are. Oh, my God. Hydra is Cylons. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, if one more person from Battlestar shows up, I'm just going to throw my hands in the air and walk away. Because this is too much. I can't handle it. I and want if one Grace person Park. Does show up, I want be, Grace Park. You know, it well, has you... to be their version of Dr. Evil Pants because he's crazy and an amazing actor and not in anything. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys know, well, you guys know that. I mean, direct. Directors, producers, they all have their favorite people, and they use them over and over oh, and over yeah. and over again. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a small town in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you, you saw people from Battlestar showing up in Dollhouse. and Yes, especially the main yeah. guy. I loved him. That's what I mean. That, that's when I really didn't get into it first. And, of course, just like... Uh, Star Trek Enterprise got started getting really good after it was canceled. We, the the, yeah. the larger plan of where they're going with it, which is unknowable at the outset, was was revealed with the with the Epitaph episode that they didn't broadcast, and you had to get on the DVD set, um, which was a flash forward. And then they finally got into when they were closing the series up quickly because they knew they were canceled. Like, that would have been a really cool story of the. The brain, brain body switching technology getting loose and you being able to remotely put your brain into anyone you want without their consent. Oh, how lovely. Um, slightly and different than how they began the series. Yeah. But the, the, I think all the dolls did an amazing job at acting like different people. Oh, I love seeing um, – what's his name? Uh, Victor show up in uh, – uh, what's it? Enver? Enver? Ever? No, Enver. in um, – what was the the Agents of Shield prequel with the, the Oh yeah, Agent oh, Carter. Yeah. Agent Carter. Yes, um, I love seeing him show up there. I like him as an actor. 
And I the other too. the other chick from Dollhouse was um, Daisy's mom. Oh yeah, yep. Daisy's mom is uh, Sierra. Yeah. Yes, um, Sierra. And uh, uh, again, shout out to Kyle McLaughlin for playing Mister Hyde because <laughs> he is. It took me a while to figure out who he was in the Marvel universe. There, there are references to him using chemistry uh, were a little too subtle for me. I didn't really go looking for him. It's like, oh, he's not an inhuman. He's that guy. Okay, now I get it. He is it's very subtle. He yeah. is, he is a, like late Golden Age, early Silver Age villain character. So they're really digging deep, deep into the, into the vat to find him. Um, but I just love the way he's playing the character. He is... Creepy and twitchy and weird. They, they finally gave him that kind of that showcase episode where he gathered his little group of supervillains off the list uh, to help him further his agenda. Um, and I'm trying to think of who to compare him to of the, you know, just six degrees off center, definitely insane, but not maniacally insane and very driven character that he's playing. He's kind of a low-rent Green Goblin. Thank you. Yes. That's, that's a good comparison. Yeah, but Green Goblin is maniacally insane, in right. my opinion. I know. That's what's making him low-rent. Right. He, he, he dials it back a little bit from, from the edge of the, I've been driven completely insane by my serums. Um, he's, been, he's been driven mostly insane by his serums and, and is controlling them with more serums. So, sort of a Luther to a little degree. Some, yeah. Some variations of Luther. A Luther that, that damaged himself in pursuit of his... You know, Luther generally keeps things under control. Even when he you know, is, is beaten down the most, his intellect is generally intact in most, in most uh, renditions of Lex. I disagree. I think Luther's the greatest. He's got the right idea. Screw Superman. He's just Luther's just an evil version of Batman. Yes. Pretty much, he's yeah. Bat- he's Batman with he's got all the same resources and he has none of the qualms or compunctions about stopping at any particular point. What ha- what needs to happen for me to get things done? Okay, I'm going there. And he's got a plan to take down Superman. It just and, proves that Bruce Wayne is a smarter version of Lex Luthor and not evil. Right. Because Bruce Wayne figured out how to take down Superman yes. and just didn't chose not to do it yet. Well, and in the best versions of Lex Luthor, he sees Superman as a, a threat to humanity. A po- that, yeah. That, I mean, a possible threat. Not even possible threat. He sees him as an absolute threat that we will become dependent upon him and we'll lose our own drive and our own ability to take care of ourselves because we're going to be nursemated by this super being. He needs to go for the betterment of humanity and the, hist- and the destiny of humanity as a whole. Those are the most fun versions of Luther I've seen written that where he's like, no, I don't, I don't hate him. I am fearful of what he is doing to us as a species because he has taken something vital away from us. We, we, we don't, we don't strive. We don't try to improve ourselves. We are stagnate as a species if we feel like someone or something is just going to take care of things for us. And that's the, not uh, wrong. If you remember the old Green Lantern with uh, I, the first Ion when he went a little, uh, I'm going to help everyone simultaneously because I can. Mm-hmm. And uh, Superman basically says, take a look at this. The Church of Ion. The, 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 we need to, you need to tone it back a bit. Yeah. You're at an 11. We need you at a seven, okay? 
Ah, see, mm-hmm. this, this is exactly the kind of... All right, my weird... next note. Oh, he has more. We're almost yeah, done here. Yeah, you have rapid. more. You know we're keep almost keep done. Moving, keep moving. I know, I've only got two more things. Hit it, hit okay. It. This is still talking about the Avengers. All it says here is that Fury set it all up, and that's why he had to fake his own death. I think that has something to do with the fact that uh, the original uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. grand plan was to track and... Uh, make note of all of these super beings and fury created the Avengers initiative because he knew, you know, that we would need them to help us and save us and everything, you know, uh, shields plan was just to bag and tag people like, um, iron man and the Hulk and uh, absorbing man and captain America and all these people or whatever. But fury knew that we could make them into something. And it wasn't until the second captain America movie that he had to fake his own death or whatever, but he did it to, show that we shouldn't be, you know, cataloging these people and all of this stuff. And it's what is going to kick off uh, the Secret Wars? No, not Secret Wars. Um, civil War. Yeah, Civil War. The Civil, civil War, War, exactly. So I, 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 this, this boring philosophy going on within S.H.I.E.L.D. about, like, do we allow these people, you know, because, like, the other S.H.I.E.L.D. right now, the Edward James almost one, is always is all about, like, these people are bad. We need to bag and tag them and, like, catalog them and and shut them away and everything. I think this is just the seeds germinating of all that Civil War stuff, mm-hmm. I, which I, I think is awesome and very interesting. No, good long-term and, plan. And my final note is, um, if you haven't checked it out and you don't have HBO, but you should... The show Silicon Valley, which is going to premiere tonight after Game of Thrones, is really awesome. Uh, They did a first season of it. This is the premiere of season two. And they're streaming it on Twitch. Sweet. How crazy is that? Like you do. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, we we are now proud subscribers to HBO Now. So I will be able to dive into that. We just ordered our second Apple TV with uh, American Express points. So we'll have an upstairs version and a downstairs version and all of our iOS devices to consume <laughs> through. Nice. Upstairs, downstairs. That's funny. What? It, it, never mind. <laughs> Are you familiar with the British TV I'm show? I'm familiar with the BBC and upstairs, downstairs, <laughs> right. yes. Um, yeah, it's a good show. It's, a, it's only a half an hour long. It's a comedy about uh, startups in Silicon Valley. It is on the nose. It's uh, Mike Judge. It's just it's an amazing show. And the first season was like maybe 10 episodes, maybe 12. Cool. I can't remember. No, I like that we're kind of trending towards the, the BBC model, which is we will use just as enough episodes to tell the story well and then give you stop. another. And then stop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're not having to drag it on just just because epi- you know, seasons must be 23 episodes long. No. Crazy filler episodes that don't make any sense. Crap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, don't let your kids watch that show. No, oh, God, no. <laughs> Yeah. Unfortunately, that also leads to the 10-month gap between Doctor Who Christmas special and the start of the new season. Like, yes, there is also that. Stop. 10 but. months is nothing. Look at Sherlock. Years. <laughs> oh, years in between. Don't say the S word. Uh. <laughs> there right. is one show note you didn't get to, though. Stephen Moffat did confirm that there are five, five more years more on the years. for Doctor Who. Yep. At least five more years. So Yay. here's hoping. Um, I'm liking Peter Capaldi, and I want more, more, more. And mm-hmm. it is, in fact, all about me. All right, let's wrap this baby up. Find all the different ways you can tune in. If you're not listening live, it's not because there wasn't a device nearby that could play the stream. You can play the station on a potato. Go to tunein.alphageekradio.com. Just added uh, Sonos there this week. Uh, If there's an Internet-enabled device that has a speaker... You can tune in. I just greatly uh, increased the capacity or the capabilities of the Alpha Geek Media Roku app. 
If you don't have that, you should, because it does all kinds of cool things and more are in the pipe. Go to alphageekradio.com and click on the Roku logo on the right-hand side. Sign into your Roku account and add the app. And then use the app, for it is awesome. Thank you to all the volunteers that spend their time on alphageekradio.reddit.com suggesting links and up and down voting things for us to discuss on the show. Saves us a great deal of time and also lets us know what you're interested in hearing us uh, chew the rag about. So go there and either submit links or upvote and downvote what you find there. Let us know what you want us to talk about. alphageekradio.reddit.com you can follow us on Twitter. The network is Alpha Geek Radio. The show is Hardcore Casuals. I am on there as Gnomewise. She is on there as DaxaCH. That's D-A-K-S-A-C-H, not D-A-X-A. Barry is on there as Barry Von Awesome. True, what's your Twitter handle? Glitch, G-L-I-C-H, no T. That's easy. But, of course, you had to do the weird spelling, no T, because someone else already had it, right? Uh, actually, I've been using that for long before Twitter existed. <laughs> All right, then. You are a Twitter hipster. I was doing that before there was Twitter. Email us, the show at alphageekradio.com. That's the show at alphageekradio.com. Please support the network. We need it. We are trying to expand. Expanding is expensive. Go to patreon.com slash alphageek. Pledge us, I don't know, buck a month. 50 cents a month. Whatever strikes your fancy, whatever you can afford, we appreciate and need every bit of it. Uh, we're going to try and bring you even more stuff. The video half of the station is growing by leaps and bounds, as are its technology requirements. Uh, video is a bitch to do, but it is totally worth it once you get that on your full-size uh, living room television via the Roku app. It's really cool, and I want to do more of it, but I... Uh, don't have the cash to do it. So I need your help to do that. Go to patreon.com slash alphageek and pledge today. Listen to us. Uh, I already got that. Tune in at alphageekradio.com for that one. If you want to donate to the station without donating to the station, just start your Amazon searches from alphageekradio.com on the right-hand side. There's a search widget there for the U.S., a search widget there for EU. If you start your search there and then finish your purchase, we will get a small cut of that uh, and a quarterly check from Amazon. It doesn't cost you anything extra and supports the station, and we appreciate it. I think that wraps it up. I think it does. I have been Gnomewise. I have been Dexa. I have been True. And I'm Barry Von Awesome. Bye-bye, radio people. Bombadida, 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 bombadida,